When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. song at a time proud member of the fire and water podcast network i'm your host the freewheeling rob kelly and joining us once again is our pal bob fisher bob welcome back thanks rob thanks for inviting me back this is going to be a little interesting today isn't it (laughs) something's happening here but you don't know what it is do you mr fisher uh yeah we're, we're, (laughs) (laughs) we're here to talk about ballad of a thin man which is from Highway 61 Revisited, and I am shocked to learn after Bob uh, suggested this was uh, one of the songs he thought about we might want to talk about, that I have yet to get to a song from Highway 61 Revisited on this show. I don't know how I managed to do 42 (laughs) episodes of this show and not get to what many consider not only Dylan's finest album, one of the finest albums of rock music ever made. I mean, period. Ever. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm ashamed that it took me this long to get to something from Highway 61 Revisited. It's just unbelievable. But this is Ballad of a Thin Man. This is the final song on side one of Highway 61 Revisited. And there's a little bit of symmetry that's worth mentioning, but we'll get to that later on. This song, for anyone who, who knows it, this is one of those songs that features a line of, of, of lyrics that virtually everybody knows. I'd say even people that don't know Bob Dylan don't know the song they know this line, which is the, there's something happening here, but you don't know what it is, do you, Mr. Jones? And everyone, I think people who don't know the song or don't know Dylan, they assume that's the song. The song is called Mr. Jones or something like that. Mr. Jones, right. Yeah, yeah, or something like uh, Rainy Day Women 12 and 35 is the Everybody Must Get Stoned song. But uh, (laughs) So if you mention to people Ballad of a Thin Man, people are like, what's Ballad of a Thin Man? Uh, But this is the famous song, and this is one of those songs that introduce something into the lexicon that has gone to live on, you know, far beyond the, the, the song itself. There's something, if you go back and you look at Highway 61 Revisited, uh, that is, you know, I don't think anybody's going to argue with you, one of the great albums of all time. And now mm. you, you mentioned to me before, uh, all fair, Bob, this was the first Dylan album you ever bought? Yeah, exactly. I oh. was, I mean, I knew who Dylan was, right? And we mentioned this before, but it was John Lennon in an interview. And, uh, you know, the Beatles were big and they had just released Sgt. Pepper and they were doing the, you know, uh, tour of questions, I guess, news tour prep. So, you know, they were interviewing the Beatles and and they said, uh, and John Lennon and both George Harrison said uh, they were listening to Bob Dylan. And John said something about Bob Dylan's the greatest writer of all time. (laughs) And and I was just stunned because I thought I was listening to the greatest writer of all time. Right. <laughs> right. So uh, the very next day, literally, uh, I went to um, uh, I think it was G.C. Murphy's at uh, Willow Lawn Shopping Center that carried records. And I worked close by. So I went there and uh, bought three Bob Dylan albums that were available. And the first one I sat down when I got home and listened to was this one was Highway 61 Revisited. Whoa. And it took me a while to even get to um, the other two. Which was bringing it on home, bringing it, bringing it on home, bringing it all back, and home. bringing it all back home, home, and blood on the tracks. So, oh my goodness, you know, you those got are the those, first three Dylan albums you, know, you ever bought. Yeah, yeah. Holy and geez. I, 
<laughs> I know. I was kind of hooked from that point. Uh, but I, I literally remember listening uh, to, to this album for the first time, Highway 61 Revisited. And when this song ended, this song that we're talking about, Ballad of a Thin Man, ended side one. Right. I just sat there. And it was uh, on records, you know, the needle would go to the end and it would just, it was just sitting there and I couldn't move. I thought, what did I just hear? Because starting with, with, well, your theme song (laughs) and, and then ending that side with the song, I don't think I could move. I was trying to figure out as a, you know, as a 16 year old, what did I just hear? (laughs) And it just blew me away. And then I still, and here I am 50 years later, and I'm still not quite sure uh, what I hear about this song. It's, it's so many layers, so many things about Bob Dylan. Yeah. You think you get it. You just think, oh, that's a simple song. He's just writing about X, Y, or Z. That's plain and simple. And then you talk to somebody and they say, well, no, that's not what he's saying at all. <laughs> You know, what? Well, this isn't about homosexuality. It's about, you know, being um, fed up with reporters asking you questions. <laughs> no, it's about, you know, and you go, ah, oh, gee. And if you ask Bob Dylan, which I'm reading a bunch of stuff about it, and it seems like he's given at least a dozen different answers <laughs> yes. about what this song is. <laughs> so, uh, and plus I thought, well, you haven't done anything from Highway 61, and you haven't done a dirge yet, so it, no, it's no about dirge. time we did a little funeral march here. Oh, man, this um, thing, yeah. I mean, the first the first four songs of, of Highway 61 Revisited are, as you've mentioned, Like a Rolling Stone, Tombstone Blues, It Takes a Lot to Laugh, It trains, Takes a Train to Cry, and From a Buick Six. Now, certainly, right. <laughs> certainly all of these songs address, you know, in their own way, some very heavy issues, and they, they certainly are uh, intense, and and deep and they you know lots of, there's lots of stuff going on here but the performances and the music itself is exuberant uh like a rolling stone in particular oh, yeah. just soars and so does tombstone blues moves like this great clip it takes a lot to laugh has this wonderful honky tonk sound to it from a buick six mm-hmm. is is actually a very sort of straightforward love song but it's it's even though the stuff is 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 heavy it's 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 light at the same time, right? Until you get to Ballad of a Thin Man, and and then you know <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden, dun 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 dun, and here's Bob playing the piano like you have all of a sudden entered some nightmarish chamber of horrors, and it is such a uh, tonal shift on the album to all of a sudden enter this world and. The song never relents with the opening piano. I mean, it just keeps no, kind of bludgeoning no, you. And it's it's in a it's in a minor key. And um, uh, reading online, I, I, you know, it's in B minor originally. He sings it on the album in B minor. Uh, I understand now uh, the guitar. He'll if he plays it on a guitar, which I don't know why he would get rid of this wonderful piano. But but uh, you'll put a capo because the finger rings of A minor are a little easier to finger than B minor. So you put a capo up on the second fret and it sounds like B minor, but it's being fingered in A minor. Whoa. That's okay. a little technical stuff. Yeah. But that's what a capo does. It just changes the the uh, length of your string so you can use simpler fingerings to change keys. So if you know how to do it in A minor, you can still play it in A minor, just move the capo up and it sounds like it's in B minor. Wow. Which is cool. what the original 
was. So uh, I learned it in A minor because um, uh, one of the chord books I've got for Bob Dylan just plays it in A minor, and I never noticed in the small print that said, put capo on second fret. <laughs> so I learned it in A minor. So uh, I have to use a capo too. But it is minor, which gives that whole, you know, uh, uh, all the other four songs you mentioned coming before this are all major keys. They're, they're faster in tempo. They're, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's almost happy stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, and then we get the two musicians that I knew. Are, are, are Mike Bloomfield playing the guitar on this thing and the uh, church organ, the that that haunting organ that goes throughout most of the song is Al Cooper. Al Cooper, sure, yeah. And, and holy moly, it, it is an incredible song. I don't know what he, how he orchestrates it live since, well, I've never seen Bob Dylan live, <clears throat> uh, but I assume he's played this one once or twice. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but do you think it is? Uh, do you have an opinion? Is it like, uh, you know, you can almost see from the first line uh, enters with a pencil in his hand. OK, you can almost see that the interviewer being uh, 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 talking about the the people who interviewed him. He was getting tired of the press asking him the same questions a thousand times again, over and over and over again. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that's a little too simple answer. It's almost like he was he needed to give it a, an answer because people kept asking him, what's the song about? So he just it's about you guys asking me all these stupid questions. Yeah, I think with with, with like a lot of Dylan songs and probably just a lot of art in general, um, it's inspired by something, but not necessarily about that thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it said is you, the, the opening lyrics are again, it, it's, it's Dylan. It's the narrator talking to the Mr. Jones and it says you walk into the room with the pencil with your pencil in your hand you see somebody naked and you say who is that man you try so hard he I love that Dylan laughs on that line you can hear him audibly laugh you try so hard but you don't understand just what you'll say when you get home because something is happening here but you don't know what it is do you Mr. Jones and so you've got Dylan as the narrator kind of really making fun of the Mr. Jones that he doesn't understand the world he's in. But then Dylan proceeds in the next, you know, like eight or nine verses, uh, or 10 or 11 verses. Actually, this is right. a fairly long song. It's almost six minutes to, to send uh, the listener into this phantasmagorical universe. And it's like, well, how can you blame Mr. Jones for not understanding what's going on? Cause this is, this world seems completely unmoored from reality. I mean, so it's like, he's making fun of Mr. Jones, but you know, Poor Mr. Jones. How can I understand? You, know, you, you, <laughs> no. you, you raise up your head and you ask, is this where it is? And someone points to you and says, it's his. And you say, what's mine? And someone else says, where what is? And you say, oh, my God, am I here all alone? Because something is happening here, dot, dot, dot. It's like, well, yeah, this Mr. Jones is just trying to orient himself in the world. And the people that he's facing are giving him nonsensical answers. So it's like, well, yeah, poor Mr. Jones, you know. So I could picture that, yeah, Dylan and, and Dylan's meeting with the press in, 19, in the mid '60s was uh, adversarial at best. Right. Uh, you can see some of that in the, the documentary "Don't Look Back," where he's encountering some of these musicians, and I would imagine it got probably exhausting to be constantly asked, "What does this mean?" You know, and it's like, well, maybe it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. Where if I tell you what it means, it'll it'll undercut the song. Uh, so exactly. I, in, in my mind, yes, this is probably transparently about a reporter 
who is just completely unaware of what Dylan and the the the, the, the burgeoning sixties generation was all about, and he was trying to pin it down. He was trying to like you know. Do that like a, a bug collector that takes a, a beautiful butterfly and pins it to their board, and therefore it's it's, it's dead, and it's you know it's it's on the board, and I can classify it, but it's not it's not alive anymore. And I think that's what Dylan was sort of fighting against. So I could see that how this is his inspiration, and, and indeed a couple of reporters in the intervening years have actually gone on to say I was Mr. Jones. You know, they've taken credit because who wouldn't like to be the subject of a Bob Dylan song? That's, well, exactly. You know, that's your ego talking to be able to be like, oh, Bob Dylan wrote a song about me, you know. And I think one of the reporters in Don't Look Back wears glasses. And mm-hmm. there's there's a line in here about where he, uh, Mr. Jones, takes off, put, takes his eyes and puts his eyes, puts his eyes in his pocket. And you're like, well, all right, that's and his nose his, on the ground and his nose on the <laughs> ground. Well, putting your eyes in your pocket would be taking your glasses off and putting them in your pocket. So. You could see that, but again, I don't think yeah. that's necessarily what it's about exactly, at least as Dylan wrote it. It was the inspiration, but it's it's not the through line for the song. Well, I also heard that at some event, he was in a restaurant, and and uh, a reporter that he knew came by or walked by, and Dylan actually called out to him, did you figure it out yet, Mr. Jones? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... Uh, that reporter could then say, hey, I must be the inspiration for the song. I think there's such wonderful uh, 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 symmetry with these lyrics and and the fact that in one one line, you could almost see that it's him talking to himself, the, the, the verse you just quoted about uh, who is it? Is it me? Is it mine? What? what? Where? Oh, I'm here all alone. Am I talking to myself mm-hmm. is kind of what I you know, get that one. And I had to laugh out loud. What other writer can get the line about tax deductible, um, <laughs> charity organization, <laughs> charity work. Yes. In, in the line, it's just, it's, it's, it's brilliant is what it is. And, you know, as a little kid or a little kid, I was 16, I guess, but I was not thinking about tax deductible, uh, charity organizations and wasn't even sure I knew what they were. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And uh, and he's writing about it. And then I'm getting very literal sometimes when I look at his lyrics or listen to his lyrics. So you get to the part about the sword swallower and going down on his knees and here's your throat back. And I'm so I'm literally thinking sword swallower circus and I'm trying to say, okay, what's all this got to do with circus and what's he trying? And then, you know, somebody says, well, that's the part he's talking about, uh, uh, Flirting with gay and being gay or something. You know, what? Oh, okay. Uh, okay, I, was, I can see your... Oh, yeah. yeah go I, ahead. I was such a babe in the woods that it took me years to hear the song before I heard that part of it. And then once, once like you, I read it, I went, oh, hell yeah. Because, you know, oh, hell. <laughs> the, the, the verse is, well, the sword swallower, he comes up to you and then he kneels. There you go. He crosses himself go. and he clicks his high heels and without further notice, he asks you how it feels, and he says, "Here's your throat back. Thanks for the loan." I mean, good lord, you know. I mean, <laughs> when you hear it, you're like, "Okay, yeah, I get it." Um, there's another. Yeah, it, whole... it, uh, there's another. Whole... I was a lot older. I was a lot older before I figured that one out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And there's another whole bit in the song that I think is interesting is that um, Dylan uh, seems to reserve a lot of scorn for people who use education as a weapon 
Now, it's funny because, A, you could say, you know, Dylan is maybe someone who is suffering from, at least at the time, a little bit of insecurity. And that Dylan never went to college. I think he went to college for like half a year and then he quit and went off right. to New York. Um, at the same time, this is a guy who is extraordinarily self-educated. Uh, he reads a lot of books and he steals a lot of material for his songs from books. But yet in his songs, there are constantly people that he is sneering at who use education as a weapon to make themselves feel superior. And they've got a little of that in this song, because there's a whole bit about you've been with the professors and they've all liked your looks. With great lawyers, you have discussed lepers and crooks. You've been through all of F. Scott Fitzgerald's books. You're very well read. It's well known. And like mm-hmm. that's, that's you know, Dylan sneering at somebody who is kind of walking around going, well, I've all, you know, I'm very well read. And Dylan's kind of like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Who gives a shit? You know, so it's like I, I, I find it interesting that, that Dylan is someone who drops literary references in his songs and has been doing it for 50 years. Yes. And yet here he is sort of making fun of people who do that kind of thing. Uh, so, I mean, and you, again, it goes back to your notion, Bob, that maybe it's Dylan talking to himself once again. You know, I mean, you could say that about virtually every Dylan song is on some level he's talking to, him, to himself. Well, yeah, I get that a lot, actually, when. When I listen to Dylan's songs, it's like sometimes I think, well, he's talking directly to me on that one. But then you think, no, I think that's when he was his Jesus time or that's when he was, you know, uh, druggy. And, you know, you can kind of see where he's going in certain lyrics. But then I love what you're bringing out here, the fact that it, it could go both ways, that he's kind of saying, look, just because you're well read, it still doesn't mean you know a damn thing. Right. You know, you can read a lot of books, but he finishes it with it. You still don't know what's going on, though, do you, Mr. Jones? Yeah. You know, that's I just wonder how long did he work on that line? Because those two lines, just the way he ends every verse, it's not it's not a one, two, three, one or one, two, three, four. You you have to make it fit. It, It doesn't just naturally fit in the time signature of the song. So he stretches it. Do you? Mr. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it, to me, I just find it those little, little tiny things that he does with the music that accentuates or goes along or brings the lyrics to you. And so many people will just, you know, well, I don't want to generalize like that, but, but uh, um, Dylan is different in that, that sphere where he'll do something with the music and the lyrics, and at first you may not think they go together, or like we were talking earlier, some of the songs, even though they have really heavy, deep meaning, the music may be kind of up and bouncy, where this one, the music is, as we said, it's in a minor key, it's, it's, it's uh, almost foreboding, it's, it's, um, it's a heavy song, yes. and it sounds heavy, Yeah. And then when you really get into the lyrics, it is heavy. And, <laughs> and I don't know that there's another word to go with this, but it, the music tells you, if you don't listen to a single word, the music tells you this is a heavy song. It's not necessarily, not necessarily a sad song, but it is heavy. Well, and that is one of the reasons I, I, I wanted to sort of uh, 
kind of challenge myself on this one because I think in the previous 42 episodes we've done of the show, I have been almost, I think, uniformly positive over every song that any guest has ever asked to talk about because I'm a giant, right. mega, giant mega fan of Bob. I have very, very <laughs> little negative to say about the man's work, maybe the Dylan and the Dead record. But, I mean, I'm, I'm almost entirely positive. Now, but this song, because of the reasons you just state, it is so heavy that I actually think, in my mind, this song kind of wears out its welcome a little bit. Uh, right at the mm-hmm. right, this song is five minutes and fifty eight seconds, which means it is barely shorter than like a Rolling Stone. It is virtually the same exact length as Tombstone Blues. Right around the four minute mark of this song, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, "All right, Bob, I got it, I got it, <laughs> I got it," and then it just keeps going, and I'm just like, right. "Now, right. I don't know if that means that I don't know if that is a negative about that you can say about the song, or it is that that's how effective the song is." And that the song is putting me into such a heavy, dark headspace that I just want it to end. That I'm just like, Bob, right. bring me back to the kind of happier thing. And, of course, he does that with the very next song, which is Queen Jane Approximately, which is probably the nicest song on the album, um, both musically and lyrically. Uh, but, I mean, it's, this, this is the only song. when I, I mean, look, Highway 61 Revisited is a perfect record. It's a perfect record. I, I would not change one yeah, moment of it right. for any reason. Right. It's, it's perfect. But it is the only, this song is the only time in the album where I'm just like, okay, Bob, wrap it up. Just whenever, <laughs> whenever you're ready, just take me out of this world. You know, I understand Mr. Jones. He's very confused. Let's get on to Queen Jane approximately. That's the only thing about this song. <laughs> right. right. Well, quite- I was actually a little surprised when we were, well, I was just surprised when we were talking and, and, and uh, I sent three songs to you from this album that, that I could talk about because uh, I love Tombstone Blues. Oh, that that might touch a little close to home for me, but uh, I love Tombstone Blues. And uh, in fact, I love this album. I, yeah. You know, it's it's almost like I could have just said, OK, I'll come on to talk about. Highway 61 revisited. You pick the song. I don't care. <laughs> well, we'll I, do that next just, time. We'll do that. Next yeah. Uh, but I was surprised when I sent you the three songs that I was interested in. And, and you said, well, this is not exactly my favorite song. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my first thought was, oh, well, we've got to do that. <laughs> right, then. exactly. <laughs> we have to do it. And uh, But I understand. I think the thing that saves it for me as far as, uh, uh, continuing to, to want to listen to the whole thing is the musical aspects of it, even again, without the lyrics, but the way this song builds with, it starts with those heavy minor chords of Bob Dylan. And it's, it's almost a, a, a Mozart funeral march or more closely Beethoven. Boom, 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 boom. It's a boom, boom. But then, just when you think it's real, because he's using the same voice patterns, the same tone to his voice, the same register for the first two or three verses. But then he goes up, and and, he, and the organ comes in, and you've got so much music being added to it, all in the same minor key, all of it, and then bringing that church organ, and it gets louder. And then you've got Bloomfield's incredible Grateful Dead type guitar going on. I, I, I am hooked just totally in, into this. And then I just try not to think too much about the lyrics and, and, um, and get totally depressed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the soundscape that Dylan puts together with the band, which as you mentioned, it's Mike Bloomfield, Charlie McCoy, Paul Griffin and Al Cooper, Frank Owens, Harvey Brooks, Russ Savakis, 
uh, Robbie Gregg and Sam. I mean, they're not all on this one song, but they're all from the album. I mean, right. they are a really amazing unit cranked to the same dynamo, which in this case is, is Bob Dylan. And yeah, yeah. it is it, like I like I was kind of getting at in that I can't I don't I don't know if the fact that I get tired of this song is actual minus or it just means that's how effective the song is because I think of it like a like a like a horror movie where mm. um, there's some horror movies that are so unpleasant to watch because they are so effective I don't want to watch them anymore and right on, on the one right. hand you say well that that that's kind of a bad thing for a piece of entertainment that you don't want to watch it <laughs> but then you say but maybe that's not what the director was going after he wasn't necessarily trying to entertain you he was trying to get at something else and if that means the experience is unpleasant well that's just too bad for you and i feel like maybe that's yeah. what that's what dylan is doing here is that he's giving you the darkest edge side to what was going on and you know part of it is as well and this is something that that occurs to me as i watch it I'm sorry, as I, as I listen, is, you know, Dylan in 1965, uh, as you as presented in the movie Don't Look Back, you know, he's not really a guy that I really would have wanted to hang around with. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that I ever would have been invited to, because Dylan, <laughs> Dylan's crowd was the ultimate in crowd. I mean, the coolest of the cool right. kids crowd. And there are points in, in Don't Look Back where Bob kind of looks like a prick. You know, he comes across right. as a girl and, you know, all credit to Dylan for allowing that stuff in the movie. He could have had that. He could have had a sanitized version of himself in the movie, but he chose not. To, he chose to let uh, D.A. Pennebaker present him as, as he was. But I feel like the Dylan in this song, the one who is just so sneering at the Mr. Jones, is the Dylan in Don't Look Back, who is just so hip, so full of his own talent that he almost has no time for mm-hmm. regular people. And it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to be part of the in crowd if that's the in crowd because they're hostile. They're a hostile crowd. <laughs> right. I, I'll, I'll, I'm, a, I'm happily being a square if it means not having to be around these people. And that, to me, this is one of the songs that, that's a good reminder of you really do need to separate the art from the artist because, yes. you know, I don't necessarily want to hang around with Bob Dylan in 1965, but the song, you know, that's different from the, the the narrator of the song who's trying to teach me something. Well, I was so far removed from the in crowd in right. 1965 to 67 <clears throat> that uh, uh, none of that would have would have made any sense to me at all. Uh, you know, and again, music first. Then I said, if I like the sound, then I'll say, okay, what's he saying? And I loved the sound of this, but why? Oh, once I really started trying to figure out what he was saying, it just made my head spin. Uh, but one of the one of the things that that um, later, when uh, on the White Album, John Lennon is playing a song "Your Blues," and he says, "I feel so suicidal, just like Dylan's Mr. Jones." I went, "Hey, I get that. I know what he means. I caught the reference." And uh, and, I, and it added to me, I thought, oh, that actually does make a lot of sense. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those songs that I think Dylan would be um, uh, pleased that you have a hard time listening to this all the way yeah. through. Yeah. I think that's what he was saying. Sometimes he, they want to evoke an emotion. And, um, you know, uh, like a Rolling Stone is telling you stuff that you need to hear. Here, but he's doing it in a in a nice musical way, and he gets stronger and stronger as the song goes, and he almost yelling by the end of it. Yeah. This one, it's uh, even though he raises his voice in the middle. 
by the end, he's bringing it back, and it's just still, and you still don't get it yet, do you, Mr. Jones? And, (laughs) 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 All right, well, let's wrap this up before we get too depressed. We all need to go listen to something happier. Bob Bob himself apparently does not have a problem with the song. He's been performing it live from 1965 all the way. He most recently performed it on April 26th of this very year. He has performed it. Yeah, so he's he and a good tired of it. He has played it over 1,100 times in concert. So wow. this is not a song that he ever tires of. It's been a, it's appeared on virtually every live album that he's ever put out before the flood at Budokan Real Live. Uh, there are alternate versions on the various bootleg series. It was part of the um, the big uh, live 1966 set from the Manchester Free Trade Hall. So you know this is a song that Dylan has gone back to many many times and. Uh, you know, it, it it is it's one of the songs that built his '60s reputation. That just like this yeah. is the oracle. This is the guy that comes yeah. up with turns of phrases like this that just make their way into the popular culture and they never leave. So it's it, for for all of my hesitation about the song, it's a masterpiece. It's absolutely it it's, it's a masterpiece even among. Uh, the, this album, which is full of masterpieces. I, I agree. I think this is a masterpiece among masterpieces on one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah. And I love the fact that in the vinyl, you have to get up and flip <laughs> the record. You have to wait before you get on to the next song, which almost starts like a pop tune. Yeah. It's yep. almost... It's it, it's the way that next one starts is jingly jangly almost. Yeah. It's it's a pop <laughs> it's so, tune. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful and light and airy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you need it after this. Yeah, you do. But you have that time uh, on the CD. The next one just starts right away, and right. and you almost want to say, whoa, 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 wait, wait, whoa, wait. I need to breathe a little bit. I need to. Whew, what was that? Okay, now now. Oh, we can move on to the jingly jangly thing. Yeah, tell me about but, Queen uh, Jane, Bob. Give me, give me, give me, tell me a nice story. Now that you've <laughs> taken me through exactly. the circus of hell of Mr. of Mr. Jones. Right. So, uh, yeah. So and the, before we get into the uh, Abraham, uh, uh, yeah, Highway 61 revisited, which is another great tune. This album has some really good songs on it. Couple, <laughs> couple, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This this is one of those albums that virtually. I would say almost every Dylan concert, uh, minus the, the 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 solo Christian ones. Right. Uh, I'd say he always pulls something from this album on virtually every concert. There is something from this album. There are there are whole decades of Dylan albums that he leaves behind in concert, but this I, there's always something he's pulling from Highway 61. It's it's that good. It really is. That well, good. I'm just really glad to hear that he's still doing uh, Ballad of the Thin Man, and yeah. and he actually does it a lot. Uh, um, that somehow is comforting to me that in a live concert, he'll still get to the piano. I assume he's playing piano on this I think so, and, yeah. uh, and bang it out. Cause, uh, well, I just think it's a powerful song. Really, really, really powerful song. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for ballad of a thin man. So, uh, Bob, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at the Superman forever radio podcast at supermanforever.com. I'm also on Facebook under my own real name, actually strange as that sounds. Mm, uh, very cool. And I will promise that, uh, some of you that are following the other shows on the network, uh, my pal, Chris Franklin and I are going to be launching the Superman movie minute podcast at some point down the line. And we promise Woo-hoo. that mega fan, mega Superman fan, Bob Fisher will be on that show occasionally. So you have to look forward to that as well. 
I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a lot of fun. So, of course, you can find yes. back episodes of Pod Dylan over on our network site, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we can talk about Dylan and stuff over on Twitter at pod underscore Dylan. So, Bob, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for picking this song. I like a challenge. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming back on. I, I always enjoy talking to you. Oh, my pleasure. I love coming and talking Dylan with you, Rob. This is a, always my pleasure. Excellent. Thank you very much. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until the next episode, we will see you later. Bye. You walk into the room with your pencil in your hand. You see somebody naked in you. Say, who is that man? You try so hard, but you don't understand just what you will say when you get home. Because something is happening here, but you don't know what it is. Do you, Mr. Jones?